Great. Let's make a start. It's wonderful to have you, you crazy people thinking about church planting. Let's just do some prophetic. No. Um, yes, it does feel like that. I'm just checking if there's anyone from Cardiff. Because we like to shut it down. Oh, dear. I never knew. Are you guys? When are you thinking about going? No, let's not do this now. That's, um, I did know. I knew. It's fine. Feeling very insecure now. Um, we wanted to talk through four different things today, which will hopefully help you in the process of thinking through church planting. The first one that we want to talk about is the nature of calling, which I think uh, Mike's going to look at. We want to look at nurturing vision. So what's, what's the process of how vision develops in us and, and that, that cycle? The third thing is the art of pioneering. And then the fourth thing is what training looks like. So um, Mike's going to start us off. And we want to make this quite interactive. I think it's really easy afternoon session that by about 20 minutes in, I've lost 17 of you. And you're having a wonderful snooze. And you're like, I went to that church planting seminar. How was it? it was so restful, like John Mark said. I feel so relaxed, but I cannot remember anything about it. So it will be better if it is more interactive. So if you do have questions, then let's go with that rather than just a monologue, a Mike James Thomas monologue. Great. So in case you came here thinking James was doing a seminar, he already delegated it. So uh, <laughs> I had to make him introduce himself. So um, just to introduce myself, my name's Mike, and uh, with my wife Flick, we um, planted uh, Vineyard Bath seven years ago. So we're kind of seven years into the planting process. And I would say that, um, sorry, I'll take this out of the way, um, that we, I, I always see myself as a church planter. Um, even though the church has grown and to some degree, some would say established, I, th I think there's an element when we talk about church planting and we've been talking about multiplication, that we're talking about at the essence something with movement and something. So therefore, for me, a church should never stop moving. It should always keep adjusting and flexing and being led by the spirit, but equally growing and developing as you begin to reap what you feel like the Lord has called you to reap. And so we feel very much in the nature of what we do is that we are people who are leading um, a group of people into and towards what God has called us as a expression of the body of Christ in our city in Bath, which is a really tough place to go and plant a church, by the way. Uh, it's, very, it's not very beautiful, um, um, but it's really expensive to buy a house. Um, so... The nature of calling, I want to talk a little bit about, so if you were there for the, lunch, the church planting lunch, we began to talk about this topic of journey. That um, the, 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 the process of, for, for Flick and I and for so many of the people that we sit with and walk with um, in this journey is one of journeying with the Lord and allowing him to speak. And for some of you, there's... Um, I think I heard James say something quite profound once, and um, it, <laughs> and it was um, he said he said church planters tend to have an unusual interest in church. They tend to find themselves constantly in the environment of church. They love being around the leaders. They they're the ones that really get on board with the vision of the church. They're part of. They're loyal. They serve. They get involved, and um, you find them. At, 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 you know, when you're running an event, the first ones there and the last ones gone. There's a sense of I just 
feel in my heart that I just need to be in this environment. I love doing it. And, um, and if you're here this, this, this afternoon, I, my sense would be that if you're exploring the journey of church planting, that you, are, have a, you have a growing yearning and love for his body, for his church. And if you don't, I'd ask some questions. <laughs> because actually, like, we've heard John Mark talk about the culture that we live in. And the reality is the church, the church organized religion in our culture is not particularly a flavor of the month all the time. It's not something that people flock to anymore. It's a challenge. There's opinions and there's, and actually as a church planter, I spent, I have spent a lot of my time sitting with people, talking with people about the value of church, the importance of church, why I believe God believes in it and has created it. And so actually part of, for me, when I was, so my, my journey was I, the Lord called me to faith when I was 16 um, in, a, in a kind of radical encounter with God. And then, and then I went on this journey. I, had, I didn't grow up in the church, so I, I would say that I had no heritage or baggage in, in regarding the church. You know, I didn't have any inheritance that I had through growing up in that environment, but neither had I had any bad experiences or negativity or issues. So I came into it very raw. And, um, and so, but the Lord began to call me before I went to university, but I ended up at university in Nottingham. Um, but knowing the Lord had called me eventually to be a leader, to, to lead in the context of his church. And, um, and I didn't quite know what that looked like. But I remember in, um, I began to be bivocational. And um, in that moment, um, I did two years. I did a discipleship year here at Trent, and then I began to explore the leadership, and they did a leadership development year. And in that time, all I can say is that God broke my heart for his church. When my wife met me in, that process, in, in the process of dating and stuff, she said, she said, oh, if, my, if, you, if I cut you open, like you, you just want to, you just love the church. You want to be part of it, and you feel called to it. And so part of the nature of, of your calling is both a journey by being led by God. But equally, when it comes to planting a church, I really deeply believe that you need to have a, a growing sense and longing to, to carry and be part of building his bride. And, um, and so um, over time, so someone, um, someone once said to me, did I always think I would be a church planter? And I categorically can say, I did not see myself as a church planter. I saw myself as a leader and grew into my leadership in the context of a church. I love that. I did not see myself as an entrepreneurial, pioneering, start something from scratch kind of guy. I saw myself as someone who could support and loyally sit under someone else's leadership. And, and maybe if they decided they didn't want it anymore, they could uh, consider taking it on when I'm much older. Does that make sense? But I never saw myself. And so what I... What I would say is uh, um, church planting does require this pioneering entrepreneurial essence of, and gifting. And yet I never realized I had it in me. I really didn't. And only on the journey of stepping out and articulating my calling and what God was calling me to, did some of those things come alive in me? And what I, what I would really say is that if you feel inadequate and you are, set, you are beginning to put yourself up against a tick, 
tick box of am I this, am I that, am I that, that. I would, I would suggest that, that maybe many of those tick boxes are actually dormant in your, in your life and that God wants to impart those gifts for the time that is required for them. And so sometimes don't be too quick to say, oh, I'm, I'm not able. I'm, well, we know, you know many stories throughout the scripture, isn't it? I can't, I can't speak, not me, too young. All the reasons why that are barriers to the nurturing of our calling, fear, our spiritual formation, all the things that you've, ner- you've heard about today uh, over the last couple of days are often barriers to the nurturing of what God is calling you to. And so as you explore your calling, it's about, first and foremost, nurturing your relationship with him. You know, so much of your leadership comes out of the depth of, of your followership. You know, you have to really invest in that. And in that place of intimacy and the Lord beginning to whisper to you and him beginning to break your heart for, for the things that break his, and he begins to direct you and show you, do you begin to nurture that calling in you? Does that make, make sense? And so... Gifting, like we, again, you'd have heard all of this in lots of leisure. You know, we 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 uh, we uh, we value uh, character over gifting. And when we start to talk about church planting, it can sometimes feel like, oh, you've got to be cool and you've got to have the gifting, you know, to do this. You've got to be that kind of go-getter. And actually, I'd really want to encourage you to say that part of this journey is obedience and allowing God to begin to 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 bring out and nurture and impart the things that you need for the things he's calling you to. And for me, my experiences of t- pursuing and nurturing my calling, first and foremost, has come down my ability to be courageous in my obedience. Will I go when God says go? Will I choose to press through my fear when I feel overwhelmed and even when others are discouraging me? Will I, will I believe for what the Lord is showing to me. I, I remember the Lord spoke to me really clearly to say that leadership is about um, leading people towards an unsustainable future. So when, so when Joshua and Caleb, they came back with the, um, the representatives of the, um, the tribes of Judah to go, after they visited and checked out in Numbers 14, the, um, uh, Numbers 13, the, the area and the land of the promised land, he, they came back and you see that for many, they saw the unsustainable or perceived impossibility of the future and they said, no. Not only no, but why don't we go back to what we know? Even though that was the place of captivity. And actually as leaders, often you find yourself, God giving you a vision for something that is to come, but you look at it and you go, it's way too big, it's unsustainable. And everybody around you say, you can't do that. It's never going to work. How are we going to, you know, and everybody, everything looks, looks like a giant. And actually, um, I think it's about shifting, shifting our grasshopper mentality that you see in that, in that narrative. That narrative is really important to me in, our, in my journey personally, not for the church, but for me personally. Because he was, God births a sense of calling and then he starts to impart vision. So before we go on to the vision part, just... Is there any any questions off the back of calling um, for any of you in terms of that uh, um, James can answer um, around where you're at or what you're feeling or or, or some of the, anything that I've said that you like clarification on or just as yeah. Go for it. Uh, I've been, I've been 
Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, so the journey for me is always done out of relationship and in community. And actually, you know, when, when God began to birth this calling, it was equally affirmed by my leaders. But what I realized was it only got affirmed when I articulated it. So many of you have got a stirring in your heart and you haven't dared yet articulate it. And the only way you're articulating it is the fact that you're sitting in your seat. And so suddenly when you find yourself sitting with someone who you, leads you or you lead alongside and you begin to articulate this, my experience is that the articulation of what God is doing in your heart releases the prophetic to affirm and confirm and so so you're you're currently in a season where God is birthing something in you but until you choose to articulate it and externalize it I would I would say you could you can sit in your room going Lord affirm and confirm my experience is that's only when faith gets into action and is articulated do you start to see the prophetic coming in and affirming it and confirming it and and that was our experience and it's my, the experience of many that God he won't give you the piggy in the sky flying by you know that kind of like or that number plate with your name on it or whatever like like my story is that the Lord my my initials are M J and my wife was coming out of Bath <coughs> and as she was coming out of Bath a haulage lorry came driving out of Bath and on it, on the side of it, it says MJ Church Plant. <laughs> now you're all sitting there, I want that, don't you? I want that's if, if the Lord speaks like that, I go. That's my calling confirmed, I'm off. Can I just tell you, there was about eight really, really difficult situations and choices and decisions to make that led up to that. I had to quit my job. I had to be willing to, to move cities. I had to be willing to articulate it to my family. I had to put my house on the market. I had to join. I had to articulate it with the movement and start going through discernment process. I had all of these things before the Lord would give me the really big thing that I wanted, and that was a cluster of things. But that's God's mercy and God's grace. But equally, you realise that when you're later in the journey, when you are being faithful in the small things, <laughs> that God still requires your trust like we've heard this last few days he still requires your trust so that's a really long answer to a very simple question yes you need to articulate it with other people hi hi everyone my name's thomas i uh, lead inverness vineyard church with my wife mary inverness vineyard church is two years old as a church plant and just to give you a bit of a story uh, a bit of my story i am the son of a preacher man my dad was a yes i used to always get that song growing up the only one who i'm not going to sing it any time well i just did sing it uh, but grew up as a, a pastor's kid and went to university in sterling and uh, studied business studies and in the mix of that my parents moved to inverness so i met my wife in inverness she was playing in the praise band at the induction service yes the praise band and uh, i knew it was love at first sight and i uh, pursued her 
relentlessly. And uh, we got married in Inverness. We met in Inverness. And as we reflect, I was sharing a little bit yesterday as well. If you'd said I would be planting a church in Inverness, I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> but God had other plans. And I think reflecting on our journey, we have just tried to say yes more than we say no to when we think God is speaking. And that has come through a succession of, of different points and, uh, in our lives. I went to Aberdeen. My wife is a nurse now and has been the last 11 years. And she moved to Aberdeen to study nursing. At the same point of that, I had finished university and had to go to Aberdeen. So I ended up working for Santander. I was a financial advisor for four and a half years. My experience of church being a pastor's kid uh, came with all the baggage of that. And at uni, I didn't go to church. I turned my back on God and uh, just didn't, didn't really engage with Jesus. I went to Aberdeen and Mary, my wife, was part of City Church, which is now Catalyst Vineyard Church. And I remember we had our first argument at, Cat at Catalyst Vineyard Church when I went into the church building. Uh, we just started dating. People had their hands in the air and people were coming after the service to ask how I was. And I, I left the church and I said, what are they doing with their hands in the air? They're all too happy. And why are they asking how I am? <laughs> I'm just interested in doing church and leaving. So there's a whole journey there. God obviously softened my heart. And I got to the point that I ended up helping with the youth group there. And something happened in that moment where the Holy Spirit just softened my heart for young people. And I just started to step into to what God was calling me into. I was a yes, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then through that volunteering and, and working at the bank at the same time, the opportunity came to become the youth pastor for a year. And at that same time, I was applying to be a branch manager of the Aberdeen branch at Santander. And uh, God very, I remember phoning my dad and, and just very clearly hearing God during that conversation to go for it, to say our yes more than we say our no. And I remember phoning my uh, area manager nervous as anything in my little office in Santander to say, yep, I'm leaving and I'm going to become a youth pastor at a local church. I'd never really spoken to her about church on my journey in the previous year, 18 months. And she said, Thomas, I can totally see you doing that. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you're not going to offer me more money. I'm joking. <laughs> so I ended up uh, becoming the youth pastor and then the church became multi-site. Just to fast forward a little bit, we ended up moving to Ellen, just north of Aberdeen, because we wanted a slightly bigger house. Uh, Aberdeen City was too expensive. Little did I know the church had, uh, or were brewing over this vision of a multi-site church. And they said, Thomas and Mary, would you lead the Ellen site? So uh, we decided, yeah, we're going to say our yes more than we say our no. We'll go on the adventure. Let's give it a shot. We'll hold our hands. We'll go for it. And God has been so gracious in that journey. And then to get to our church planting journey, I came to NLC four years ago and uh, there was a call for church planting. So being a site pastor of one of the sites of Catalyst, uh, the call was if you think church planting would be part of your story at any point, come forward for prayer. I didn't think it would be part of my story, but uh, and on reflection, I felt kind of pushed into it. And I think literally I maybe was pushed into it to go to the front uh, for prayer for church planting. And the gentleman that prayed for me, the gentleman that prayed for me, he said, where... And this is tying in with what you said, Mike. He said, where do you think you would plant? And I'm like, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm going to church plant. Inverness. No. So I said, Inverness. And then at that moment, something happened. It was like in a, a room of 1,200 people, it was just me, this guy, and God. And he, st he started getting really emotional. And I'm like, okay, 
I'm the one that's meant to get emotional. Why are you getting emotional? And he said, I have worked in Inverness for over 20 years. So bear in mind the amount of people that come to this conference. And he starts weeping while he's praying for me. And I come away from that, that moment shaking, laughing, crying, going, what on earth is going on? Phoned Mary and said, something's happening. <laughs> something's happening. And uh, that just started the journey of us uh, looking to church plan. And it was at that moment our hearts were, were being shaped and molded and something was changing in terms of our, our next steps. And uh, through all that and that encounter, we had some strange, amazing things happen. We'd meet with our church family and there's this lovely uh, couple in our, our, our old church in Ellen and we're eating dinner and they put their knives and forks down and they said, we're just going to pray and prophesy over you guys. And they said, uh, we just see new shoes. You're ready to step into new shoes. And uh, there's a hill that you're at the top of, but there's a mountain coming up. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. Under the table, kicking each other, going, oh, it's happening, it's happening. And just a succession of people prophetically speaking into the next step of our journey. So it was like at that moment when I said Inverness, God was brewing already. God knew already. God knew before I was born. But as I spoke it out, something happened. Something happened. And there may be people here this afternoon. We know what God's brewing. We know even right now what the Holy Spirit is saying and what he's stirring. And there's perhaps a moment for us to speak it out. Inverness? What is that place? What is God brewing? What does he want to bring to life? So, and we're two years in. And uh, crazily enough, when we shared the vision for that, three people, three, more than three, three families said, we want to come with you. And uh, we've seen God's amazing provision. And uh, so that's just a little bit of our, uh, my story. All right, thank you very much. I try not to trip over the chair. Um, yeah, so just to say a little bit about Colin as well. So I uh, grew up in a Church of Scotland church. My dad was a minister as well, actually. Um, but I got really bored in church growing up. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, and when I kind of hit my teenage years, I kind of had enough of church. And it wasn't until I was at university that I just really felt um, the Lord just kind of calling me back to him and um, just had quite a profound experience with the Holy Spirit and um, just ended up just giving my life to him. And at that point my faith just came alive as as the Lord just really revealed himself to me as I just began to get really interested in the prophetic the voice of God um, and just really discovering um, more of just the truth of, of, of knowing uh, God's presence God's power God's gifts and it just made something in me just really come alive um, and so after that not long after that I ended up going on a gap year and this was the first time that people started prophesying sort of leadership and things over me and that was something I'd never thought about before um, and so I was probably about 21 22 at the time and I just kind of held those in my heart and thought you know that's for the future and the model that I'd seen around me around kind of leadership and church planting was always as couples and, and I just had this thing in my heart that you know one day I'm going to meet my husband and you know me and my husband are going to go and maybe plant a church or, or lead a church together and so that was the kind of idea that I had um, and so really I, I'd been in a process over a while I just said yes to God I was just up for going on an adventure with him and uh, when I finished my degree when I finished my gap year I had this dream um, where in the dream, God said to me, you need to go south before you go north. 
um, and after that dream I knew that I was needing to move from Scotland to England um, and I ended up working for a church actually in England for about four and a half years which was a church that was really pursuing the presence of God it was a church that was really taught me so much actually about uh, the Holy Spirit and what that that like, kind of looks like and I was, I was on the leadership of that church for a while and then after four and a half years I had another dream which was about going back to Scotland um, so I ended up I moved back to Scotland and I just went back to uni um, I was just studying and just got settled into this city church catalyst vineyard at this point and just really got on with living my life um, and, and just enjoying being part of this amazing church and just watching what God was doing in that so I was quite happily living living my life and I just remember this one Sunday I'd been on kids it was after the service and I turned around and Taryn Freeland was just there and she just said to me Hannah I think it's time to start talking about your call to church planting <laughs> I was just like what um, so it just felt completely out of the blue for me it wasn't something that I really thought was was a, was imminent or about to happen but as I met with Chuck as I met with Taryn to, to speak about this it was like something came alive in me and it was this thing where I, that I had that I thought was for the future but actually God was saying this is now this is for now and I just felt so excited about it um, but then for me the question was where um, and so I just began praying and there was a place that I felt that I went to I, I stayed over I booked a hotel I just went to prayer walk around the city but it just didn't feel right it just wasn't the place and I just remember being really kind of discouraged and being like God I was so sure it was that place um, and so I just laid that down for a few months um, and then one night it was almost like someone had woken me up in the middle of the night and had just said sterling <laughs> and I just I remember just reflecting on that and as I went in the morning and said to my mum I think God's just told me where I'm supposed to plant a church and I said where do you think and the first thing she said was sterling and that was my first confirmation there was no reason that she should have said that at all and so I did the same thing I went and stayed over I just walked the city and and just felt this connection with that place um but a big uh a sort of barrier for me as well was about not necessarily having team and so I th we had a vision night and um, in a church of over a thousand people and, and having watched how you did that I really thought that there would be some people that would come um, but that didn't happen but what was really interesting was God had already prepared a team so that as I went on my own there were students that had been part of our church in Aberdeen who'd gone home to Stirling who actually came and joined our team so that was the the kind of the beginning of the team and do you know the confirmation for me I think was just the gift of things just working out um, I had trained as a physician associate in Aberdeen um, but that career didn't exist out with Aberdeen at that point so I needed a job and as I just prayed to God about um, a job um, I had been the only person in my year studying in Aberdeen who'd been sent to do their GP placement outside of Aberdeen uh, which was in a, in a little village not that far from Stirling and, and when I phoned them up and sort of said that I was looking for a job they said I've, I, well basically I said do you know anyone who would be interested in employing a physician associate and they were like absolutely we would and, and so God had just created this job, prepared the way and so I was so clear at this point that God was calling me to go that I actually had more fear about being disobedient and not going than actually going so yeah <laughs> what I love about all of these stories are the fingerprints of God and you begin to see the links don't you because when you stand up in front of a, pe a people and you're like we're starting this new church let me tell you about it one of the things that they want to know is your story because it's your story of, I'm here today because there's this vision that God's put in my heart. But can I just tell you the fingerprints of how we've got here? Bang, 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 bang. And then people are like, wow, that's awesome. God's really in this. And, you know, even listen to your three stories. I'm sitting there going, 
what, what's the overriding thing? You've been obe- obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's the thing that I'm inspired by. And I'm like, I want to join your churches. Um, it's hard work leading your own one. Um, so I wanted to speak. So that, that's really been talking about the kind of the nature of calling. But I wanted to talk about often um, what does it feel like as visions birthed? In us, and what is what is the process of that vision being birthed? I've had two. It's, it's great because I've had a number of conversations, kind of confirming. Uh, a guy came up to me earlier, and he was just like, "I just, you know, I'm in this place not far from here, and I just feel this deep sense of brokenness. I just feel utterly broken." Okay, what's the beginning of calling and vision? Brokenness. It's this utter sense of, oh, before the Lord. I think the story in Nehemiah particularly chapters one and two, just, you, you know, if you want to look at what that process looks like, it's there, right there. And, you know, for Nehemiah in um, for verse four, he's talking about going back and, you know, rebuilding the ancient walls of Jerusalem and his heart's like, I, I you know, it'd been a hundred, it'd been years since they'd, and they were, t- the city was in tatters and the walls were down. And he, he just says this in verse four, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Okay. That's what it feels like. You, 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 it's just this weeping upon people. When it happened to my wife, Jen, this was 13 years ago, but what happened? Brokenness. Jay Pathet came to speak and she was up at the front every session, tears coming down the face. You know, what you ask the question, what's going on? It's about the lost. It's about the lost. It's about people that don't know Jesus. We cannot stay. If you'd have turned around and said, where are we going? She's like, I've got no Scooby. I just know that we need to leave. We're going. So our story was, we're leaving. You know, we went and spoke to John and Debbie and said, we're leaving. In 18 months, we're going. We don't know where we're going. I went and looked at Bath, but decided it was far too posh. And, um, <laughs> and actually, might come, no, but there's a different look, isn't there? Let's be really honest. I could not pull off sockless with boat shoes. I mean, it just, if you want to work in Bath, this guy, it was meant to be. And this was before Mike went. We went three or four years before him. But, and he wouldn't have worked in Cardiff. So, you know, it's kind of the other way around. But, you know, so we went around Bath and, you know, a bit like Hannah did when it visited. And we were just like, you know, we had the most amazing conversations with people about faith and Jesus and what God was doing. And utterly cold. It's like, it is not here. And uh, God spoke to us about Cardiff. But so if you, and the way that I think about vision, I think is quite helpful is really just the birth cycle. So conception, you know, it, it, that first moment is brokenness. And then what happens is you go into a period of gestation, which is where the vision begins to grow it you come out of this place of just utter brokenness and going i just feel lost there's no you know the vision there's no vision there it's just broken god's breaking you and then what he does is he begins to pour in his heart and this is literally like the birth of a child so suddenly you know legs begin to grow arms begin to grow until the point where you've got this fully formed child before you come to the birth stage now there are lots of things in that process. It's a very vulnerable place that you're in when this vision is growing within you. And this is where you need to be really careful about how, who you talk to about your vision. Because what happens is sometimes if you try and talk it out too early with people, then you realize all the holes in it because there are lots of holes in it. And that's where you, t- you begin to take people on that, that journey of just talking through your vision. What does it look like? People come and challenge, well, how's that going to work? What's that going to look like? You know, you're talking about this. Oh, so, 
let people into that process and then you come to the birth process which is really that moment where the vision is formed and you've got that point where you're like you know we're ready we're ready with this thing um and again, you can you can go through. I mean, what's amazing about the story of Nehemiah is just that he goes on um, because he needs a series of miracles to happen. So he comes before the king. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Basically, Nehemiah's like, this cannot happen unless the king enables this to happen. It just can't. It's going to take a miracle and God, you're going to have to grant me favor. So there's this prayer. So what happens is there's this brokenness followed by this prayer and fasting. Well, I, I guess it would have probably been the same in all of your s- stories. You know, for us, it's like we're leaving. We don't know where we're going. What happens? We, we, we fasted for a week. It's like you get on your knees at that point because you're like, I'm leaving and I don't know where I'm going. And at that moment, that's when the confirmation. But there's this step that all of them have talked about that you step into something. You're like, oh, I, I feel like I'm moving in this direction. This is what the Lord's calling me to. And then he begins to confirm in that process. As you take that step, he begins to meet you. And it's like, and that's the Lord's kindness. And as a leader, there's nothing greater than knowing that you're being obedient. Like more than anything else, you, you know, as a church leader, you've only been leading a church for a while. You're like, I just know that I'm being obedient to the Lord. I don't know how it's going to go, but obedience. And so what begins to characterize, which is why you need this followership of Jesus at at a sufficient level whereby you can go, "I, I know that I hear the voice of God. So what would I say is one of the things that you need to know? You need to know that you hear the voice of the Lord. Do you know what I mean? And that you can begin to show his story throughout your life. So um, that's a little bit just, so just think it through, you know, it's conception, that moment of breaking, gestation, the the birth, you know, the building of that vision all the way through to birth. And then the fulfillment just, well, that, that keeps coming because the Lord keeps speaking. It's almost in some senses, that's why Mike uses the journey of planting, it never ends. You know, in some sense, you're just on that journey. It's not like, right, we've planted. I got five years into the church and I've like, I planted a church. Now what? I kind of achieved my vision. I've got no idea what to do now. This was, the vision was to plant a church. The church is planted. Oh, I suppose you're going to have to speak again. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it never ends. It's like, the, because it's a journey. So. Anybody got any questions at that point for James? Or for any of any of us? Like just Yeah. It's not really a question, it's just a, mm. a comment. Mm. So you you said something about the problem with everybody other than Caleb and Joshua is that they actually thought it was unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is the key to it's not that it's unsustainable, it's they didn't have enough trust that God would do it. Mm. Because if you could do it in your own strength. Hundred percent. It's it's a it's a perception. It's a perception for people. It's that that's that's what leadership is: is helping people catch the promises and purposes of God, not only for their life, but for the for for what He's wanting to do beyond. 
And so when you're casting vision for something that they can't yet see, but the Lord has imparted into you a, set, a level of faith, your, your role is to almost to allow them to come before the Lord. And in that process, they begin to catch. Like you see it, don't you? Like leaders go before. They go before and they catch something of God and then they bring it back. And we see it at NLC. We see the leadership group. We see John Debbie. They've gone before. They've caught something that God is speaking to, to us as a movement about. And they bring it into the room and then suddenly you see it. The chain reactions. People catch it and catch it and catch it. And then it starts a movement. And it starts, it starts a journey into something new. And I think that's, that's, this is the, the nature of pioneering that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is that Pioneer. I remember I was sitting for coffee with someone, uh, a really wise leader in the movement. And um, no, it wasn't you, James. Um, <laughs> I would come to you though. You are wise. Um, and um, he, um, I sit in there, and I was, I was in a moment where I was like, oh God, this is really hard. It was really hard at that point. I'd pioneered, we'd planted, we'd gathered. God had blessed us, and I was like, this is hard. I find this difficult. And it was in that process God had, God had been just revealing this pioneering gifting in me. I was like, this brings me alive. I'm like, I'm loving this. But at the same time, it's incredibly painful. And I said to him, oh, I just need someone to mentor me to pioneer. I just need a mentor to help me pioneer. And he just looked at me in his beautiful wisdom, turned his head and just said, do you know how stupid that sounds? You can't, a mentor can't show you to go somewhere that's never been gone before. <laughs> I was like, oh, he said, I can journey with you. I can encourage you. I can affirm and just call that out in you. I can cheer you on from behind. But I can't do, I can't see what God wants you to, only you to see at this moment. I, I, that's your calling upon your life to that's the ground that's the part portion of the land that he's inviting you to occupy and to lead a people into but I can't tell you what to do and it's a moment of maturing and growing up I was like, oh okay thank you for that challenge and so um so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the art of pioneering <laughs> and the nature of it. And that is that it is, you are walking and stepping into territory that, yes, you can learn. And yes, there can be wisdom that you can apply into those situations. But the reality is when you plant into a community, that is a unique contextualized environment of culture that has been formed and gathered and created over time and history and, the, and, and people. And you are walking into that environment sent by God. And he is already at work in that environment. The spirit of God is already advancing his kingdom. And you're being invited to go and partner in with him. And to do that, you need to understand and to discern and allow the spirit of God to show you the keys of the kingdom to unlock the community. And for me, it was something I'd never done this. This wasn't taught when I was in the context of a large church like Trent and where I had all the resources and I could sit under the leadership of someone else and if there was a big leadership decision I just deferred that one to John and Debbie and the, and the senior leadership team you know I learned I, I, I didn't realize how comfortable 
it is and how safe it is to lead in the context of an already established church. I didn't understand why when I said, right, here's the offering basket coming around and here's some giving forms, why no one just threw their money in and got on board. But there was a reality, there was a culture that hadn't been formed around generosity that gets forged over time. But equally, there was a discipleship of the culture of our community that I had to understand why was it that they were struggling to engage with this? Why was this particular aspect of following Jesus difficult? But that was uniquely the nature of our community and our culture of Bath. Bath is an interesting place. If you come to it, I say it's a beautiful place. It's a place, it's a national heritage site. And so the whole city is um, designed and uh, framed around beauty. Like if you want to build anything, you have to build it in the most beautiful stone and it costs a fortune. And so what happens is there's a physical element of, that, of our city, Bath, which is it, it has beautiful facades. And therefore there's a real challenge in our culture around vulnerability and authenticity. So for me to pioneer a community that is authentic before the Lord... I'm having to lead a people and teach a people and allow the Holy Spirit to Does that make, Can you see the uniqueness that you start to begin to realize? Like, I had no idea about any of that stuff when I was just doing, I was doing my youth ministry. Or, you know, it was the uniqueness of going, I've got to partner closely with the Lord. I've got to hear him. I've got to be led by him. I've got to discern and listen and see what God is doing in and amongst people. I've got to understand history. I've got to do that and journey with the Lord and allow him to impart with his plans and his purposes to see the city and the community redeemed and restored. And, I, and so that's, so the contextualization is a, is a significant part of that. But I wanted to just say right from the beginning, because if there's in any way you're beginning to see um, me in any way of knowing what I'm doing, I just need to break that straight away. Because the reality is, all of this is true. The Lord leads you. The Lord calls you. He is advancing. He is at work. But do you know what? The one thing, the greatest thing I learned on the journey is that you often build out of the architecture of your heart using the language of Mark, uh, John Mark Comer. That you often build out of the brokenness that's going on in your heart. You lead out of that place. And whilst I saw God doing some amazing things, I equally saw that the, the community both reflected the things, of, things that were good about myself and my wife and my team, but equally it was beginning to reflect some of the characteristics of me. And so three years into planting a church, I was like, oh, okay, this is hard. I, I need to re-engage with it. And so I went through a process of what does it mean to continually be transformed in the midst of pioneering, in the midst of leading, when you can't just go, I'm going to take some time out, guys, thanks. You know, you can't say, I'm going to have a season of laying down my areas for the season. You can't. Like, the Lord's led you. How do you keep... How do you keep journeying and leading and, and doing all that God's called you to do in the midst of still knowing and becoming aware of areas of transformation? And that's why we say, if you're thinking and you're, and you're sensing the Lord is calling you to church plant, the preparation to pioneering is to, is, to, is to understanding the rhythms of transformation in your life now before you go. Because as soon as the pressures come on, the wheels come flying off. I remember one moment I was in a room with the worship um, team at the time. James remembers because he got a phone call from me the next day. And um, 
the pressure of pioneering like it was hard it was difficult i could feel there was anger and frustration in me i just remember in this meeting we were just talking about blimmin rotors you know and it was just like it was just all this and i just remember just losing it i was like losing it i was like oh where did that come from and realizing that actually i just want i think this is a really healthy part because we can get the glamorous stories of the calling and the stepping into it and the courage and the courageousness of doing new things for Jesus. And at the same time, there's the grittiness of, again, what was being said over these last few days is that leadership is actually a process of formation in you yourself. It forms you, it shapes you. And when you're pioneering, you're in a place of incredible vulnerability. And so pioneering is about learning to be led and to see and to contextualize but equally it is to to ensure that you allow your heart to be just humbled before the lord and to own and to to, to step into and know the things that are there that's festering because otherwise that's where where empires get built that's where communities get hurt that's where growth and the the move of the spirit gets dampened so I just those those are a couple of things I wanted to. Okay, I'm coming into land. You'll be pleased to know. So um, got about an hour left. So <laughs> I wanted to look at training for a moment, just kind of building on the back of what Mike's been talking about. So I would say, do you know what? When I when I think about it, in in terms of. Uh, one of the greatest things I think that you need to be as a church planter is resilient. I was just, you know, I was, I was sitting there, I was like, well, what's the quality that I would most look for? Resilience. Which is, and again, that completely comes back to your spiritual formation. So, you know, when I'm having the joy of being able to, along with Mike, working out, you know, how do you train church planters? You've got to start in spiritual formation. Like, out of everything else that's the building block and often the most neglected piece so firstly do you know how to hear the voice of god do you know the rhythm all the stuff that john mark's talking about because if you can't do that you can't actually disciple anybody anyway <laughs> because the disciples that you're going to create the community that you're going to mold well there's no depth you know it will just be the shallowest pond ever you can you can get a few people to come with you for a bit but actually they're looking to grow in in depth of relationship they want to know christ and so you you've got to start with that place of going on that journey of spiritual uh, he uh, john mark mentioned strengthening the soul of your leadership brilliant book just in terms of that journey of inner transformation along with the emotionally healthy leader these kind of things that you know talk about the shadow side beginning to bring that out how do i how do i react under stress really deep stress and you've had enough of life most of you to know how you react under stress it's just have you done anything about it because you are going into a highly highly stressful environment let's say you you're giving up your job for instance you're looking for a new place you you don't know the people around you that well you're having to form new relationships you're having to build core you're having to trust people all of these things are going to come out with that within that environment so spiritual formation obvious place theological it's worth thinking about okay you're going to be whether it's in a small group setting or whether it's on a Sunday, you are going to be teaching the scriptures week in, week out. You are suddenly, you move from being somebody sitting under somebody's leadership to effectively you become the theological leader for your community, which means, well, 
what are the areas that are non-negotiables, what aren't non-negotiables, what do the scriptures say about this? So an, an understanding of theology, you know, we have the 10 modules as a starting point um, with VI, which is a great starting point for kingdom theology. And I would say, if you're not already doing that, that would be a great place, 250 quid for 10 modules. It's a great starting place. Is that the finishing point? No. But it's a great starting point because suddenly you're beginning to learn about church history and the Reformation and some of the things that happened. That when you're getting in some of these, you know, somebody turns around in your community, they come up to you the first week. So why do you allow women to lead? And you're like, oh, I've been sitting under somebody else's theology for a while. They're like, okay, can you just answer this, these three verses? I'll get back to you. No, and that's all right. Sometimes you'll be in an environment where you're like, you might not know to the answer to the question. That's fine. But you are suddenly having to take responsibility for that. And that is a real weight, particularly in the culture that we're in. Suddenly, some of the things that were non-negotiables, well, they are going to be. People are going to stand up. Well, what's your position on this? What's your position on this? Tell me about the environment. Tell me about women in leadership. Tell me about sexuality. Tell me about this. They're tough conversations to have. And therefore, look at them now. Train, train now that start the posture of learning. And so I would say that's a great thing to be able to look at. Multiplication, you know, that's been one of the themes that we've been talking about. How do you multiply leaders? How do you raise up leaderships? It's actually not really that much rocket science. <laughs> there are just certain things that we do. If you are already in a healthy church environment, you will, really, you will not know how much you know about this already. I think one of the things that I had that was interesting, I was here along with Mike before I planted, I was on staff for five, seven years. I don't think I knew what I knew till I realised that I was doing it and I knew a lot about multiplication. So I was used, until the church got to 200, well, I didn't really experience anything that I hadn't dealt with that much before, apart from a bit of pioneering stuff. I was like, okay. So again, if you were going to be a doctor and you were going to sit before people, you'd train. And I, I think so, the danger sometimes is we, we go from calling to activation. And I would just really want to encourage you this conception and birth, you know that moment of God speaking and breakthrough and then we go into a period of training and that can look different for all of you on the job training some of you are like you need to drop some hours you need to give a day a week to the church you need to give two it looks different in every situation but you need to get hands-on with ministry you need to be weak some, somebody my youth pastor turned around to me six months ago and he said what would you do if I resigned or when I got another job, I was like, why are you trying to tell me something? He's like, no, I'm just fascinated. I was like, oh, um, I'd probably find somebody in one of our other ministries that know how to do ministry and they'll probably hold youth for a year. He's like, oh, that's a fascinating answer. I thought that you'd go with somebody. I was like, ministry, there is a set of skills within the church that helps you to do ministry. Identify, recruit, train, monitor, nurture, deploy. You could put me into any ministry within our church. It might not be my first desire, but you could put me into kids. You could put me into youth. You could, I, I led the worship teams for two years because my worship pastor wasn't very well. Um, and I had to step back in. And it's like, it's the same set of skills. I identify people. I find people that are good. I cast vision. I do these things. So if you're sitting there going, well, there's no opportunities, find an area that nobody else wants to do and volunteer. It's brilliant. Like, so if you've been a youth pastor or a kids pastor, you have probably great skills of multiplication because you've had to do it so there are, i guess i'm just saying there are skills that you just need to learn so there's multiplication how do you multiply leaders raise up teams all of those things 
um, then there's organizational leadership that you begin to have to take. The difference in, again, being in a church, you don't have to take control of the finance, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, HR, all of these things. You just have to take responsibility for it. Find somebody that's good, but you do take responsibility for the budgets that come. Some of you are like, ah, oh, that, I do that in my day job. Others of you are like, oh, that's quite a scary thing. I sometimes look around now and I'm sitting there going, you know, oh my goodness, I, you know, we have a half a million turnover or whatever. You're like, this is terrifying. You, you know, I, nobody taught, I trained to be a pastor. Like, I didn't realize you suddenly, you got these big budgets and staff and all of these things. So the skills that have to grow as time goes by. But your organisational leader, I, lead a, I read quite a lot of stuff just about how do you do meetings well? I don't want to waste people's time, you know, when they come in. And so you, you become a learner about different areas. Pastoral ministry skills. Okay, what's the thing that most often blows out church planters? A couple of marriages that blow up. That, that particularly in a smaller setting, that will absolutely, can absolutely exhaust you, exhaust the community and kill it could be a mental health issue. It could be a marriage. It could be a number of different things. There could be one or two things within your community that can absolutely blow you out. That's partly around your boundaries and how do I deal with it? How do I not get sucked in? So there's just, do you see what I mean? So there's lots of different areas that you just need to think through. Um, and then the final one would be around gathering and evangelism. So again, within a slightly larger community, that generally isn't as big a deal because people just come. But when you're starting from scratch, you have nobody. So, for instance, again, you're in your setting. You're thinking, I want to plant a church. Okay, start an alpha course on your road because that's what it feels like. But the neighbors know me. Yeah, perfect. Invite them along because you begin to build a muscle whereby you're like, well, I'm not ashamed. So you go to your church leader. and You like, I want to start an alpha course on my road. Are they going to say no? Highly unlikely. They're probably going to go, well, at least you're trying to reach people. But that's the kind of, when you turn up in Sterling or wherever, and you're like, I need to reach some people. Well, I've got to be gathering people. I've got to be doing things with the people around me. And that starts whatever context you're in right now. Don't wait till you go. Start growing that muscle and then you get used to it. So just they're just six different areas that are just thinking through of some of the skills that you're going to want to get under your belt. And already a couple of them, you'd be like, oh, I'm good at the pastoral stuff. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. Great. Okay. What are the things that you're not good at? Go after those and begin to train. Do you want to say anything in finishing, Mike? No, I think um, it's sometimes the misperception that um, once I've got the title of a church planter, then I'm going to become all that I wish I want to be. Um, I'm going to lead lots of people to Jesus. The reality is you, you don't. You just continue to do what you were doing before, but in a different context, in a much harder situation. And so, and um, I think it's Jay Pathet that once said, to, if you want to learn how to, to plant a church or see whether you've got it in you, is plant a church within a church. And in some ways, that's what James is saying about starting an alpha course or saying, saying to you, you know, trying to plant a small group um, with people that don't yet know Jesus or in an area of the city that currently you don't really reach or connect with any of the people. Um, and sometimes if you find resistance in yourself to do that, it sometimes reflects that. Actually, I don't want to acknowledge the areas that I'm weak in. Um, and actually you need to. Now the reality is that God is good, isn't he? And God is graceful and he brings team and brings people around you and, and, and works with you and you're not supposed to do everything. And so, so don't hear us that you have to be this perfect, all-rounded, fully trained person because we were never that. But we, but I think the most important thing is you're not naive. 
you're not naive and you have a reality check on who you are and what you're able to do and then you're able as to use your leadership to resource and to equip and to release all those other people around you that God provides for you and use it and nurture it um, and I think John Wright gave that such beautiful analogy of the skeleton of leadership and if you think about that that's, that's what you're trying to understand so you can recognize what you what you're missing and what you need to hold up and to develop all the aspects of a community so I guess the question, yeah, so we'd love to pray now um, and maybe even get you to articulate what God is saying or in, in those moments. But um, why don't we just stand? Okay, let's um, just... Let's just um, invite the Holy Spirit to come. Spirit, you are welcome. You have been speaking throughout not only these last few days, but you can today is connected to last week, the last month, the years that have gone before. But equally, you are reaching into the future, and we find ourselves in this time in history today, in this moment of your kingdom work in this country. And Lord, just as you are inviting us to find our place in your body, Spirit of God, would you just now come and speak? down deep into hearts in this room now. More. Press more or deeper. Reach into the hearts. Into their circumstances, into their dreams, into what you are placing in them. I just feel like God wants to move on people today that have counted themselves out. You know, part of my journey was I counted myself out for a season. And I just think there's some people here today, you've counted yourself out and you maybe don't even know what you're doing in this room right now. But I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on you and bring life, bring life to this, this dream, this desire. The Spirit of God wants to say, don't count yourself out. Yeah. So if that's you, just put, just raise a hand. Everybody got their eyes closed and go. Just put your hands up. Okay, that's great. Let's just um, just come, Holy Spirit. If you're near them and you're not engaged, just lay a hand on them. Just bless what the Lord is. Just begin to speak, Holy Spirit. Come. Speak.
speak confirmation, we speak affirmation, we speak love, we speak grace and mercy. Spirit of God, fall. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We break the chains of words or circumstances that have created this a sense of disqualification we release that now in the name of Jesus would you come and bring freedom freedom to dream freedom to believe freedom to step forward not to step back or to remain paralyzed but freedom to step forward into what you're calling them to do Just another word was just about some of you just there's just kind of a gentle yes that you're saying. It's not even necessarily a church plant. You're just saying, Yes, I know that you're moving and I'm acknowledging that you're moving and I'm just wanting to step into that. And I don't know where that's gonna take, but it's kind of your step of faith moving forwards. There is that for anyone, you know, when you're just like, oh, I just feel like you're yeah, just a hand there. Again, just if you see people with their hands up, just begin to move. We're just going to continue to minister. I'm aware some of you need to go. If you need to go, feel free to go. But we're just going to keep ministering for a moment.